Hi there, we're hot on the trail of Trump going back in jail and listening to the Mary Trump and, show. Uh, you know, 2024 rolls around. So what are you waiting for? And um, the other the other maddening thing about, uh, what's his name, uh, Garland's inaction is that, I mean, I, I assume if you asked him, he would, as you said, uh, say that the institution needs to be strengthened and and uh, we need to make sure that people don't think it's politicized. Well, you know, um, by doing that, you render the institution absolutely useless and you hasten the very thing you pretend not to want, which is the end of any potential for American democracy. Uh, and it seems like there have been so many times, Danielle, and you know, as you mentioned earlier, on Monday was the 20th anniversary of the, the illegal invasion of Iraq. So many points in our history, we had moments when we could have held people accountable mm -hmm. for their crimes against this country. Uh, you know, we now know with, with absolute certainty that Nixon, us, uh, What's the word? Scuttled the the back channel, the the deal, the peace deal mm -hmm. that Lyndon Johnson was brokering, and the Vietnam War in 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, so the war continued just so he could be president. The war continued for five more years, and thousands more and of Americans and hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese, etc., were mm -hmm. slaughtered needlessly. He got, yeah, he, he had to resign for something trivial uh, years later, but he gets pardoned. That pardon is has led us directly to Donald Trump. Reagan, Iran-Contra, uh, Bush, the illegal war, torture, um, you know, on and on and on and on and on. It's always Republican. And what we're told is we need to move on. And you know what Barack Obama did this too, with by not holding bankers accountable, um, and not holding the Bush administration responsible for their war, war crimes, their crimes against humanity. So, yeah. are we are we going to learn our lesson ever? Or okay, no, I, I, because the only people that are ever held accountable for anything uh, in this country are Black Indigenous people of color. And look, for everybody who loves to be up in the comment section of this show that's just like, oh my God, she always talks about race and she always brings race. And I'm like, because this country is racist as fuck. Mm -hmm. White men have never been held accountable for a goddamn thing. And the reason why we continue to see the worst versions, right? It, it's like it's like watching a sci-fi film, right? Every single character that you mentioned got was worse than the last one right so you yeah, talk about you talk right. about nixon and then you go and you move on from there right and everyone gets bigger and and more emboldened and worse right because they can bush destroyed right iraq he destroyed that country they targeted infrastructure they killed civilians but because america created a narrative around the Middle East, around the Muslim religion. This is the axis of evil. These people are evil. This religion is evil. 
right? And they weren't deserving of humanity, right? John, like George W. Bush and Dick Cheney committed war crimes, right? And they're allowed to rehab. Fucking George Bush does watercolors now. We look at little memes of him sharing candy with Michelle Obama. This is a man that literally has blood on his hands and destroyed an entire fucking country. And he gets to rehab himself. We just learned in a blockbuster reporting about the about Iran and Reagan and the Reagan campaign, right? Going and maneuvering. Don't release the hostages, right? So that Jimmy Carter would lose an election. This type of insidious lies, right, in order to score political points, this didn't begin with your uncle. It didn't begin with Trump. This shit has been embedded in the Republican Party since the beginning of time. But again, nobody is held accountable. Everyone gets to wash their hands. 20 years, 30, 40 years later, you find out the truth. Oh, but now they're old. So we don't want to prosecute. It'd be bad for the country. So we just move on. Yeah, and, and let's just be clear. Uh, Richard Nixon, Republican, stole the election in 1968. Ronald Reagan stole, a Republican, stole the election in, I think, 1980. Um, George Bush, or W. Bush, had the election stolen on his behalf, a Republican, mm -hmm. in 2000. Uh, I believe history will show, because apparently nobody in, in the present can be bothered to prove it definitively. Uh, Donald Trump stole the election in 2016. He attempted to steal the election in 2020. God knows what's going to happen in 2024. All Republicans, none held but account because we were told time and time again that Americans are just too fucking weak to mm. deal with it. We need to stop looking back. We need to look forward. Well, you cannot look forward without fixing your mistakes, which is why people in the comments, if you have a problem with this, we talk about race so much here because unless and until America is white America is willing to face up to its white supremacy, to its past of never, ever, ever atoning for its racist past, we will never be able to move on in a way that is good or fair or democratic for everybody. So that's why we talk about it, because you know what? Not enough people do. And do you think it's an accident that people like Ron DeSantis are literally trying to whitewash history? Mm. They're doing it because they know their vulnerability is the fact that they're, the myths they tell people about who they are will be exposed if people really, if white people really understand their history. Mm -hmm. So that's why we talk about it. If you don't want to, if you don't want to hear people talking about something that I believe is the most fundamental issue in this country, then you don't have to listen. That's pretty simple. It's true because up until you know, until President DeSantis, it's still a free country. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Unclear. You know, it's just, it's like really funny. It's like you know the, the the old trope. You know, slavery ended two hundred whatever years ago. Get over it. Well, you know what, guys? Uh, the nineteen sixty four and nineteen sixty five Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act are essentially gone. 
<laughs> so right. this is all very much in the present. And by the way, that was like, I was basically born then. It wasn't that long, that long ago. Somebody, somebody tweeted the other day, Marion said that Ruby Bridges, the famous picture of the young black girl being escorted um, by, uh, by the, by the uh, National Guard into school in Alabama. She's 60. She's 60. And you know what that means? All those despicable white people yeah. who were screaming the most vile yep. things at, at her. At a six-year-old. At a six-year-old? Yeah. They were, you know, older, but they're still alive, too. Yep. Never having to have grappled with nope. the monsters they unleashed. So yeah. there you have it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Danielle, it was really fun to get to get you to myself for a little bit. Yay! Um, yay. Uh, so I remind everybody where we can find the new iteration of your awesome show. Yes, um, Woke AF is back five days a week. Um, I'm now on iHeart uh, Radio, but you can get uh, Woke AF anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, super excited to be back. And then uh, the new abnormal, uh, which is my other podcast. I have one other one. The new abnormal comes on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And that is with my friend Andy Levy. And that's over at The Daily Beast. Uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. And then Democracy-ish, which I take once a week and airs on Thursdays with my friend. You can watch all the criminals out of Anywhere as well. I'm everywhere. Oh, my God, right. Brian. It's Cub uh, Reporter Brian Carver. You're very late, and we're just about to end the show. Wait, do you, I'm any, so anything? sorry. That's okay. Anything exciting happening going on? Uh, what, what what horrible things has Kareem Jean-Pierre done today? Well, we, good job, Brian, yesterday. I was yes. so good fucking job. Yes, Thank Brian, uh, the hero of the White House correspondence room, uh, press room, sorry, White House press room, uh, give us a quick recap of your exploits yesterday? Uh, oh, well, there was a guy who's not really a reporter who came in and started uh, griping and screaming and yelling and uh, made it all about himself, came in and said, hey, uh, why don't you ever call on me? And mm-hmm. while there's 50 people in there and 40 of them never get called on. So yeah. I, I, I felt like at that point in time, I was dealing with one of my children. So I told him to mind his manners, act like you've got some sense, and to shut up. But... Huh. Uh, it, that that was in a nutshell what happened yesterday, and we're back with Mary Trump show. Carlson, we know why it's yeah. done, why he does it, but that's it's still it's annoying for the rest of us because the fact that there's you know if you have to rely on being in getting called on in a briefing, then you're not doing your job. That's yeah. the bottom line. Why is he still allowed in there? That's that's my question. Well, anybody can get a White House press pass. It's I mean, it's like getting, you know, it, it's <laughs> I, yeah, I hate to say it's easy, but it, it kind of is at least to get a day pass to get a, yeah. uh, a, a hard pass is a little harder. But uh, the fact is, it is the you know, this is the, the nation. This is the people's house. And so you want everyone to be there. You just at some point in time, you don't take 15 minutes out of, uh, out of a briefing to talk about how you don't get called on. I, yeah. I mean, I often don't get called on. What I do is I go back and I, I establish relationships as a reporter and talk to people, you know, in, in their office and get the answers to my questions. One of the biggest problems that ever happened, Mike McCurry will tell you, is when he put these, started putting these uh, briefings on camera, it turned into stage shows. And this guy just wants to get his 15 minutes of fame. 
Well, but today we haven't seen Donald Trump run naked across the fourth lawn yet. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's How still early. dare you say that to me? Oh, my eyes. My eyes. Okay, guys, got to go. Brian, thanks for uh, for jumping in, uh, but we do have to go. So I'm so Brian. sorry. We, I, got stuck okay. in a, I got stuck in a White House meeting. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We'll, we'll catch you next time. Brian Karam, Danielle Moody, Dahlia Lithwick, Jen Taub, thank you everybody for being we live in a society, I, it's, and this is a weird contradiction, and I know it has everything to do with the fact that he's a white man, but we're such a punitive country. This country mm-hmm. is so punitive. There's something about being together, like catching up with coworkers who've also become friends, brainstorming new ideas. Misogynist, you vote for a rapist, you vote for a racist, et cetera, et cetera. That's a different issue, but he's a criminal. And I, I don't know. I guess it's just, it, it's, I'm not talking about the base. I'm talking about the people who just couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, um, that's me. It, it's, you live in a society, I, it's, and this is a weird contradiction, and I know it has everything to do with the fact that he's a white man, but we're such a punitive country. Country okay. is so punitive. The carceral state is just out of control. Um, we are we have no ability to think outside of the box and come up with better ways to uh, handle the problem of um, what is a crime, what's not a crime, how crime should be punished, how people should be rehabilitated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then we don't just let it slide when it's a white guy. We lift these people up. We enable them. We allow them to succeed in ways that are just uh, kind of unspeakable. And here we are. Donald is literally positioning himself to strengthen his case for winning, uh, not just the nomination, but the presidency. And he will fundraise off of it. And it will increase his popular. I don't. I'm not saying that makes him. It, it increases his chance of winning in 2024, but it definitely solidifies his hold on the base, and it may indeed, you know, get some people off the fence uh, to be in favor of him. What do you think? I don't like. I, I I will I will disagree. I do not think that this is going to strengthen Donald Trump. I do not think that this is going to get people who were on the fence about him to say, oh yeah, this is my guy. I think that what we are going to see is that Donald Trump's base is never gonna leave him. When he said that he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and his poll numbers would go up with that particular set of deplorables, he was correct, right? And we've seen this time and time again. There is nothing that Donald Trump can do, can say, if he were to shoot somebody, uh, Kevin McCarthy would find a way to blame the victim, right? Like that is that is where he is. But even if, if it's Kevin McCarthy, right? But in ter- even if it's Kevin McCarthy, um, but in terms of everyone else, I think that Donald Trump has pushed the limit on grievance politics because here's the thing, and I did like a TikTok video about this the other day. Which is that of all the things to go to civil war for, Donald Trump fucking a porn star (laughs) and paying her off ain't one of them. You know what I'm saying? So he is rallying people on his broke ass social media platform 
to come protest and come to the streets and do all of these things like he did uh, before January 6th, except January 6th, you could argue that his particular argument was about their vote being stolen from them, right? It was about their vote. Donald Trump saying to people this week to come to New York City and rally on his defense has nothing to do with the people. It has nothing to do with democracy. It has everything to do with the fact that he had an extramarital affair, right? Like, so him trying to turn this into, if they come for me, they come for you. It's like, nah, dude, you're the only one that fucked a porn star and used like not your own money in order to pay, in order to pay them off, right? Like you're the one that cooked the books in order to make this happen. And so I don't, I think that for the regular people, this is something where they're going to look. I think if anybody gets bolstered by this, it is the devil, Ron DeSantis, right? Yeah. It is the one that has the little jabs that's just like, well, I would know nothing about porn stars. I would know nothing about camp campaign finance. Ron DeSantis, in my humble opinion, is the worst of the worst, right? In turn, like all you have to all Democrats should be able to use for their bumper sticker is. Do you want Florida's policies to be nationalized? Because that's what a yeah. Ron DeSantis presidency looks like. But I don't mm -hmm. think this strengthens Donald Trump at all. Um, did I say strengthen? Because if I did, I shouldn't have. What I meant was it. Um, I think I was talking about not the base, but the the you know the Republican Party, and we've seen because we've seen in the last two weeks. Fox, who was heading in a different direction, some Republicans who were heading in a different direction, they've all fallen back into line. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I just will never count Donald out because of how many times people did before. And we, mm -hmm. it always came back to bite us. So I think, unfortunately, he's always a clear and present danger. And you may be right. You know, one of the most dangerous things about Donald right now might be that he leaves open the field for Ron DeSantis, who is absolutely worse in many ways because he's a true ideologue. He is a fascist down to his toes. And uh, he's just an absolutely awful, awful human being. And by... Um, given the opportunity to contrast himself or to, you know, to present himself as a cleaner, more moral, more upstanding version of Donald, like that's dangerous. And, and I think what I was trying to get at earlier is that it's not, yes, I mean, Donald is uniquely awful uh, and, the Republican Party was a different to some degree before he was allowed to dis destroy all of us. But the Republican Party, he revealed them. He didn't change them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I don't, I don't think it matters anymore which Republican ends up in the White House. Any one of them will be just as awful because they understand, they've been given permission, they know that the field is wide open for them to do their worst. And, you know, 
that's you're right that was not the case in 2016. this is you know and again if we're looking to lay blame which sometimes i do um i'm looking at merrick garland right because i i, I want folks totally. to remember that we didn't need to wait for january 6th to happen in order to begin an investigation into donald trump yep. robert Mueller had already provided Merrick Garland on day one of his job with a report that was over 400 fucking pages long, right? Um, lining out the ways, the 10 ways in which Donald Trump obstructed justice. And Robert Mueller said that the only reason why Donald Trump was not going to be indicted is because of the bullshit policy, not law, but the bullshit policy and guideline that the Department of Justice has that says we don't indict a sitting president. So on January 21st, when Donald Trump was no longer fucking president and was sitting down in Mar-a-Lago, Merrick Garland, once he was sworn in, all he had to do was go to Mar-a-Lago, knock on the door, and say, you have been served. Because there was no investigation that needed to be done. The fucking homework had already been done for him. So we're here, and you are seeing these bigger, stronger, just more disgusting and depraved versions of Donald Trump because Merrick Garland didn't do his fucking job. Because he fell asleep on the job, because he fell down on the job, because he decided that, oh, preservation of the country and a bullshit institution was more important than holding a fucking criminal accountable for their crime. The only way that you would not get a Ron DeSantis, a Greg Abbott, these people, is if we recognize that actually no one in this country is above the law. Merrick Garland with the help of the Republican Party and the media, turned America into a banana republic. So if yep. anyone deserves blame for where this country goes by 2024 and beyond, it's Merrick Garland. Yeah, I also blame Barack Obama for nominating him because he wouldn't have the job he has now if it weren't a consolation prize for not getting that Supreme Court seat, which he also should not have been nominated for. Yeah, like we needed. Imagine what would have happened if Barack Obama had nominated Kentaji Brown Jackson. Nobody would stood. Nobody would have stood for what uh, Mitch McConnell did. But, I mean, I guess we can't prove that, so it, it's sort of a, a it's a pointless thought exercise. But I, like that drives me insane um, when I think that this man doesn't shouldn't even have this job. And I, I, the only thing I disagree with you about is that, uh, you know, the subpoena should have been served at 12.01 on uh, yes. January 20th. I don't think they yeah. needed to wait. They um, didn't need to wait a day. Yeah, because we are in this, what Democrats need to understand is the Republicans are going to do the worst. Every opportunity, there's no shame, mm -hmm. there's no reasoning with them, there's no arguing with them, there's no... You know, well, if we get rid of the filibuster, they'll get rid of the filibuster. They're going to get rid of the filibuster anyway. Okay. You know, if we expand the court, they'll expand the court. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But if we don't expand the court, then this is going to be a theocratic apartheid state by the time, uh, you know, 2024 rolls around. So what are you waiting for? And um, the other, the other maddening thing about uh, 
what's his name, uh, Garland's inaction is that, I mean, I, I assume if you asked him, he would, as you said, uh, say that the institution needs to be strengthened and and uh, we need to make sure that people don't think it's politicized. Well, you know, um, by doing that, you render the institution absolutely useless and you hasten the very thing you pretend not to want, which is the end of any potential for American democracy. Uh, it seems like there have been so many times, Danielle, and you know, as you mentioned earlier on Monday, it was the 20th anniversary of the, the illegal invasion of Iraq. So many points in our history, we had moments when we could have held people accountable for their crimes against this country. Uh, you know, we now know with with absolute certainty that Nixon, uh, what's the word? Scuttled the the actual the the deal, the peace deal mm -hmm. that Lyndon Johnson was brokering, and the Vietnam War in 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, so the war continues just so he could be president. The war continued for five more years and thousands more and of Americans and hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese, et cetera, were mm -hmm. slaughtered needlessly. He got, yeah, he, he had to resign for something trivial uh, years later, but he gets pardoned. That pardon is has led us directly to Donald Trump. Reagan, Iran-Contra, uh, mm. Bush, the illegal war, torture, mm -hmm. um, you know, on and on and on and on and on. It's always Republicans. And what we're told is we need to move on. And, you know, Barack Obama did it, too, with by not holding bankers accountable um, and not holding the Bush administration responsible for their war, war crimes, their crimes against humanity. So. Are we are we going to learn our lesson ever? Or okay, <laughs> no, I, I, because the only people that are ever held accountable for anything uh, in this country are Black Indigenous people of color. And look, for everybody who loves to be up in the comment section of this show, that's just like, oh my God, she always talks about race and she always brings race, and I'm like, because this country is racist as fuck. White men have never been held accountable for a goddamn thing. And the reason why we continue to see the worst versions, right? It's, it's like it's like watching a sci-fi film, right? Every single character that you mentioned got was worse than the last one. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. talk about That's you right. talk about Nixon and then you go and you move on from there, right? And everyone gets bigger and and more emboldened and worse right because they can't bush destroyed right iraq he destroyed that country they targeted infrastructure they killed civilians but because america created a narrative around the middle east around the muslim religion this is the axis of evil these people are evil this religion is evil right and they weren't deserving of humanity right john like george w bush and dick cheney committed war crimes right and they're allowed to rehab 
fucking George Bush does watercolors now. You look at little memes of him sharing candy with Michelle Obama. This is a man that literally has blood on his hands and destroyed an entire fucking country. And he gets to rehab himself. We just learned in a blockbuster reporting about the about Iran and Reagan and the Reagan campaign, right? Going and maneuvering. Don't release the hostages, right? So that Jimmy Carter would lose an election. This type of insidious lies, right? In order to score political points, this didn't begin with your uncle. It didn't begin with Trump. This shit has been embedded in the Republican Party since the beginning of time. But again, nobody is held accountable. Everyone gets to wash their hands. 20 years, 30, 40 years later, you find out the truth. Oh, but now they're old, so we don't want to prosecute. It'd be bad for the country, so we just move on. Yeah, and, and let's just be clear. Uh, Richard Nixon, Republican, stole the election in 1968. Ronald Reagan stole a Republican stole the election in, I think, 1980. Um, George Bush, or W. Bush, had the election stolen on his behalf. Republican mm -hmm. in 2000. Uh, I believe history will show, because apparently nobody in the present can be bothered to prove it definitively. Uh, Donald Trump stole the election in 2016. He attempted to steal the election in 2020. God knows what's going to happen in 2024. All Republicans, none held account because we were told time and time again that Americans are just too fucking weak to mm. deal with it. We need to stop looking back. We need to look forward. Well, you cannot look forward without fixing your mistakes, which is why people in the comments, if you have a problem with this, we talk about race so much here because unless and until America is white America is willing to face up to its white supremacy to ever, ever atoning for its racist past, he will never be able to move on in a way that is good or fair or democratic for everybody. So that's why we talk about it, because you know what? Not enough people do. And do you think it's an accident that people like Ron DeSantis are literally trying to whitewash history. Mm. They're doing it because they know their vulnerability is the fact that they're, the myths they tell people about who they are will be exposed if people really, if white people really understand uh -huh. their history. Mm -hmm. So that's why we talk about it. If you don't want to, if you don't want to hear people talking about something that I believe is the most fundamental issue in this country, then you don't have to listen. That's pretty simple. It's true because up until you know, until President DeSantis, it's still a free country. <laughs> yeah, after the fact, unclear. You know, it's just, it's like really funny. It's like you know the the, the old trope. You know, slavery ended 200 or whatever years ago. Get over it. Well, you know what, guys? Uh, the 1964 and 1965 Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act are essentially gone. <laughs> right. So this is all very much in the present. And by the way, that was like I was basically born then. It wasn't that long, that long ago. I mean, somebody, somebody tweeted the other day, Marion said, that Ruby Bridges, the famous pitcher of the young black girl being escorted um, 
by uh, by the by the uh, National Guard into school in Alabama. She's sixty. She's sixty, and you know what that means? All those despicable white people yeah. who were screaming the most vile yep. things at, at her at a six-year-old. At a six-year-old. Yeah. They were, you know, older, but they're still alive too. Yeah. Never having to have grappled with nope. the monsters they unleashed. So yes. there you have it. Yes. Anyway, Danielle, it was really fun to get to get you to myself for a little bit. Yay. Um yay. Uh so I remind everybody where we can find the new iteration of your awesome show. Yes, um, Woke AF is back five days a week. Um, I'm now on iHeart uh, Radio, but you can get uh, Woke AF anywhere that you get your podcast. Um, super excited to be back. And then uh, The New Abnormal, uh, which is my other podcast. I have one other one. The New Abnormal comes on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And that is with my friend Andy Levy. That's over at The Daily Beast. Uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. And then Democracy-ish, which I tape once a week and airs on Thursdays with my friend Wajahat Ali. Um, you can get that on Thursdays anywhere as well. I'm everywhere. Oh, and my God, Brian! All of your Brian! It's Cub I, reporter Brian Carroll. You're very late, and we're just about to end the show. But do, do, I'm any, so anything, sorry. That's okay. Anything exciting happening going on? Uh, what 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 horrible things has Kareem Jean Pierre done today? Well, we, good job, Brian. Yesterday, I was yes. so <laughs> good. Fucking job. Yes, Thank Brian, uh, the hero of the White House Thank correspondence uh, press room. Sorry, White House press room. Uh, give us a quick recap of your exploits yesterday. Oh uh, well, well, there was a guy who's not really a reporter who came in and started uh, griping and screaming and yelling and. Uh, made it all about himself, came in and said, hey, uh, why don't you ever call on me? And while there's 50 people in there and 40 of them never get called on. So yeah. I, I, I felt like at that point in time, I was dealing with one of my children. So I told him to mind his manners, act like you've got some sense and to shut up. But that, that, that was in a nutshell what happened yesterday. And he was trying to, uh, I mean, he does it to get on Tucker Carlson. We know why it's yeah. done, why he does it. But that's, it's still... It's annoying for the rest of us because the fact that there's, you know, if you have to rely on being and getting called on in a briefing to do your job, then you're not doing your job. That's yeah. the bottom line. Why is he still allowed in there? That's that's my question. Well, anybody can get a White House press pass. It's I mean, it's like getting, you know, it, it's <laughs> I, yeah, I hate to say it's easy, but it, it kind of is at least to get a day pass to get a, yeah. a, a hard pass is a little harder. But. Uh, the fact is, it is the, you know, this is the, the nation, this is the people's house. And so you want everyone to be there. You just, at some point in time, you everyone. don't take 15 minutes out of, uh, out of a briefing to talk about how you don't get called on. Yeah. I, I mean, I often don't get called on. What I do is I go back and I, I establish relationships as a reporter and talk to people, you know, in, in their office and get the answers to my questions. One of the biggest problems that ever happened, Mike McCurry will tell you, is when he Put these started putting these uh, briefings on camera. It turned into stage shows, and this guy just wants to get his fifteen minutes of fame. Well, but today we haven't seen Donald Trump run naked across the fourth lawn yet, so it's, <laughs> you know it's still How early. Dare you say that to me? Oh, my eyes, my eyes. Okay, guys, got to go. Brian, thanks for uh, for jumping in, uh, but we do have to go. So I am Brian. so sorry. We I got stuck okay. in. A, I got, 
got stuck in a White House meeting. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We'll we'll catch you next time. Brian Karam, Daniel Moody, Delia Lithwick, Jen Taub, thank you everybody for being here. We will uh, hopefully see you next week. Bye. Ran a little long, but Brian was very excited. Uh, Cub reporter, White House correspondent, Brian, Brian Karam. Uh, yeah, he, he actually did an awesome job uh, shutting that extraordinarily rude man down yesterday. Uh, if it's, a, it's a fascinating but maddening clip if you want to check it out. Um, anyway, thank you to all of you for joining us today. Uh, that was, as always, a pleasure to spend time with the nerds i uh, just uh, to remind you we will be back what's today tuesday uh thursday 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific for a regular uh thursday night show and friday 12 o'clock eastern 9 a.m pacific for house of horrors and of course next week at uh, 12 p.m eastern 9 a.m pacific on tuesday for the nerd avengers uh, all of those you can see at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're there, uh, you know, if you didn't catch the show live, uh, you can like the episode. You can leave a comment there. And you can uh, click on that button right there uh, to subscribe. And that way you'll just uh, you'll be sure to be notified anytime new video drops. And we are continuing to do short videos that come out on mostly on Saturdays at this point, but um, kind of depends on the news cycle. And uh, handling it. <laughs> or I should say finding humor in it. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> we try. Also, big news. Uh, I, I wanted to let everybody know that we are taking this show on the road again. Or I guess I should say on the road for the first time because uh, last, I think December we were only in LA. This time we actually have a tour. Uh, the Mary Trump Show will be recording uh, our show with the Nerd Avengers live on stage, May seventh at the House of Blues in Chicago, May 9th at Cobb's Comedy Club in San Francisco, um, May tenth the Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon, and May 16th in my hometown, the Gramercy Theater in New York City. We are, of course, extremely excited about it. We really want you all to be there. Uh, Pre-sale tickets are already on sale. Pre-sale started last night. So they are available now by using the code NERDS. That's N-E-R-D-S. Just go to politicon.com slash tour, T-O-U-R, for your tickets, and we hope we will see you there. Can't wait. And uh, in the meantime, I will see you Thursday. Please stay safe and be kind.
Hey there, what's going on, man? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Because it feels once Mary again like the media all Who's have their cameras now? trained on the empty podium or the plane idling on the tarmac. And um, I'm tired. How are you holding up? You know, I'm, I'm tired. I, I, Mary, I said to somebody this week, if I had a dollar for every podcast I did that started, the walls are closing in on Donald Trump, I would be, I would have my own hotel in Midtown. Like, I can't hear the walls are closing in anymore. Like, call me when the walls have closed in. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I've been, like you, I have been asked that question a trillion times. And, you know, my response is like some version of, sure. <laughs> but they've been closing in for my entire life. And to the extent that they are closing in, it's happening incontestably. Uh, and a variation on that theme is he's really losing it. Okay, so... How many times when he was on Twitter or, hey Jen, um, when he was releasing official documents, did people have that same reaction in 2017, 2018, 2019? So I'm not entirely sure why a bunch of all caps truths or whatever they're called at four o'clock in the morning and then at 4.03 and 4.11, et cetera, et cetera should convince anybody that anything about this man's state of mind has changed. It, it, it hasn't changed. The, the one thing that's changed, and I say this with some regret, and I'm hoping you'll both tell me I'm wrong, is no. that there's a new play. Like, in addition to the Soros, fake news, hoax, witch hunt, bingo card, which is really small. Like, the number yeah. of words are shrinking right yeah, yeah. but I, I think the new thing in the toolbox post january 6th is so come out and riot and what scares me about all of the demented truth social stuff is that to the extent that he has any ability to sort of foment stochastic terror anymore and i and i think we can talk about i think that power has diminished post january 6th but I do think that he has no conception of what people are capable of doing when he summons them to come with weapons. And what scares me is he will never understand that he cannot control mobs because he doesn't understand that he can't control everything. And so what I think is new and scary is amid all of the like Groundhog Day, as you say, of empty threats and, you know, it's happening. All of that is not interesting, but what is scary is the ability to summon angry mobs to perform acts of violence at his behest, and I don't think he's ever going to walk away from the power he has to do that. No, and although I agree with you, his power is diminished, it's still there, and uh, I was asked recently, you know, am I worried about violence in New York, and I'm actually not. Uh, you know, we might have a bunch of idiots come out from Long Island into the city, uh, to embarrass themselves, but they're so outnumbered. I'm more worried at the, at the kinds of stochastic terrorism that could be unleashed at random places across the country. And even one act is too much. So um, it remains to be seen uh, how much farther his power extends. But the fact that that's an option at all 
is something that is unacceptable. And and Jen to Dahlia's point about what Donald can or can't control or what he thinks or doesn't think about that. I mean, I personally think, uh, one, he he knows what people are capable of, and if they're doing it in service to him, he doesn't care. Uh, This is somebody who has played by the same playbook his entire life. We're just seeing different variations on a theme. Uh, And, you know, two things that people may not think about Donald that happen to be true is that on the one hand, he's he's quite pragmatic in the service of his self-preservation, and he's very adaptable. Uh, So this situation um, may be different in kind in the sense that uh, it may very well be the first time in his entire life he's held accountable for anything. But um, I think he's going to use the same tactics to uh, change the subject, get people on his side, uh, sort of universalize his personal grievances, et cetera. And, Jen, it's, you know, one of the other things, that, because it's not just about him, one of the things that's troubling is the extent to which the Republican Party has so quickly fallen in line again um, not when he's done something good for the party, but when he continue, when he is at his worst. Do you see that as a pattern as well? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of in the fetid decay of his um, of his sort of charismatic leadership. I think he's on his way down. And to me, what I'm kind of obsessing on, because I like to to be one step ahead of him is to have to inhabit his mind. We're not mind readers, but um, I imagine if I were him, I would be hyper-focused on exactly what this mugshot is going to be about. In other words, mm-hmm. yeah. does he get to have his comb over or not? I assume yes. Does he get to pick among the many mugshots? What, you know, in other words, uh-huh. this is this thing. He, he's always about image control. And no matter what, you are not in control of the mugshot. This is not your photo session. Similarly, being fingerprinted. Now, these days, I don't know. Back in the day when I worked in a courthouse, there were ink fingerprints, right? No, it's electronic now. Okay. So that's less humiliating than having to have your fingers put in ink, which would also probably drive him batty. Um, So I'm really thinking, you know, when you think about physical violence and people putting their bodies on the line, all the power that's summoning that up, um, gives him and makes him feel, you know, like the shooting the person on Fifth Avenue and his getting the guards to beat you up, up or bang their head on the car door. Very physical ways of dominating, and he's about to be dominated. And the only reason why I think there won't be a so-called showdown, like the reason why I think he is going to come to New York, is because um, he knows that they would come, that there would then be cups. And although some people, I think I saw some on the news saying maybe he would enjoy that, he would not. He would not. And I think what we have yet to see, you know, we always talk about doors closing, a way a cornered animal will behave, but I don't know how you come back from a mugshot. Of course, it depends on how that goes. I don't know how you come, you know, he may try to stand outside um, the courthouse and, and do a presser and all this stuff, but I have to tell you, um, 
he seems really weak to me. Like on he's you know he's not on Twitter, even though he can be. And I did this thing, Mary. I don't know if you know, but two days ago I actually joined Truth Social. Yes. <laughs> um, I didn't. I, I, you know, tell everybody it's not my. You need game, to report I, from the trenches later. I, I really have to see, but but it's really Truth Social is really kind of shabby. It's not that exciting, and no one argues with me over there. But my, if you're looking for me on Truth Social, um, my uh, my name is something like uh, Good Witch Glenda is my mm-hmm. handle, um, which I sort of think is funny in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but you know. There's no taunting in here. There, it's it's really just an unhinged rant, um, and it's really pathetic. And I would almost feel sorry for him if he weren't the worst person in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no sympathy, empathy, or uh, compassion. Of, but of my bigger thought. concern, again, my bigger concern are those people who, you know, who they can smell the stench of his decaying carcass. What they're trying to tell us it's uh, it's French perfume, and I'm not buying it. Yeah, so a lot of America is. Well, that's the know. problem. A lot, a lot of us, uh, the, or those of us here, are not the market for what they're selling. So it kind of doesn't matter what we think. And uh, Dahlia, I agree with Jen that showing up voluntarily versus being dragged out uh, is preferable. Um, for a couple of reasons, the, the most basic of which is that he's a coward. He's a physical coward. There's a reason that despite the fact that he pretended he was utterly convinced the 2020 election was stolen from him, he left the White House. He could have dug his heels in. He could have stayed and barricaded the doors. This is a man who his ego is so fragile that he needs other people to bolster it up for him. He needs other people to put their lives on the line, never his. And, you know, the problem is with somebody whose psychopathology is such, um, it's infinitely wily in the service of protecting his ego. Like, this is somebody who, like, literally the worst thing you can do to Donald is humiliate him, which is why he deflects so intensely uh, whenever humiliation threatens. So... We've, he's already set it up, right? He's a martyr. He's going. He's going to go and use the mugshot as a badge of honor, because let's face it, no matter how bad he looks, which is almost all of the time, and I don't mean that as an ad hominem attack, but let me put it this way: he doesn't look how he thinks he looks, right? So he can, without irony, post those pictures of him as a superhero with a, a six-pack and bulging biceps and think, oh, yeah, you know, that's a pretty accurate portrayal of me. You know, he's going to do the same thing here. So, again, it always has to be about who's taken in. And we've already seen the setup. I'm being attacked. You're being attacked. If they can come for me, they can come for you. Um, and I guess there's a universe in which that's true. If you too paid off a porn actor in order to steal an election or stole thousands of classified documents. Um, (laughs) I'm also, I'm more concerned in some ways about what's going on with the media. Do you think we're being well served by how this entire situation is being approached? I I mean, two things. One, just one point um, that does help with what Jen just said. Hi, Danielle. Um, 
You know, we've been talking, I would say one of the big animating themes on this show in all the times we've sat together is what would an off-ramp look like? What would the Republican Party need in order to wash their hands of this guy to cut the cord, right? It would seem to me that, you know, a criminal indictment for, you know, fraud around paying off a porn actor, uh, Polling showed in 2018 and still shows people wildly disapprove of this. You know, this isn't a a, a cool crime as they go. It's emblematic of two of his worst qualities, right? He's a liar and a fraudster and he treats women like garbage. So it would seem to me this might be a good off-ramp. And yet, in the face of the opportunity to say, you know what, cut the cord, we'll all rally behind Ron DeSantis and pretend to be a sane party, the choice, including by Ron DeSantis, is to fail to cut the cord, right? Mike Pence, who would be better served than any human on planet Earth by saying, and now we are done, (laughs) and like, I will differentiate myself from him by saying that I'm not going to pretend or how about I was a hero? <laughs> I mean, but like, so so the thing that that just to to add, you know, to to, to bootstrap to it, what Jen just said, I think what's so interesting is the stench coming off of this is so acute. This looks so bad. He is going to look so bad, and yet the c- collective aggregate wisdom of the party is to stand him up. And so I just think, I, I don't know where to put that. You're not going to get a better off-ramp than this one. You know? <laughs> and, and yet the choice to be like, no, thanks. No, thanks. We're going we're gonna to call into question the entire criminal justice system in advance of knowing what the indictment is for. We'll go with that route. Tells you not just how much the party needs Trump, which is just continues to flabbergast me, Party needs Donald, sorry, which continues to flabbergast me. Oh, I'm but sure they need me too. Tells me I don't think they are ever going to cut the cord, ever. And that's staggering. And just to your question, which you actually asked me about the media. <laughs> I actually sorry. asked a question for once. I, no, I, mean, I, just, I just, it just strikes me that we have been waiting on this show to say to each other, now is the moment that they, that they, pull the ripcord and say he serves no purpose and apparently not even now as to the media i have to say and as somebody who did media around this on the weekend i do deeply hate the idea that he announces on truth social it's going to be tuesday his team literally (laughs) disavows it his lawyers disavow it and we're still all waiting for something to happen tuesday because that's how much he sets the narrative yeah, I just uh, posted a picture of an empty podium on uh, <laughs> Twitter because it feels like we're getting sucked in. Uh, and, you know, Danielle, I actually think, I mean, I agree with Delia that, that this is a really great opportunity to say, eh, you know, um, the guy who has to pay women to have sex with him and then has to pay them off, uh, actually, he didn't... He paid her with a promise to be on The Apprentice, and then he reneged. So he didn't even, he just lied about Banger. Um, seems like a good opportunity, but I confess, I think that if, if they didn't do it after January 6th, when every single one of their lives was endangered, they'd never 
ever will, especially if the guy who actually had a gallows waiting for him uh, has jumped back on the bandwagon. And I think at this point, what worries me is the Republicans just undying belief that they don't need to expand their, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, They don't need to expand their uh, electorate, the electorate, uh, they they are just going to double, triple, quadruple down on the same, to us, vile, tired messages because they're so effective. Uh, and we'll leave aside the question that so many of them must be getting blackmailed or something because I can't prove it, but it's a little weird. Um, because they know that... They need such slim margins, and they basically game the system to an extent maybe we don't understand yet. Do you think that's at play here? Because as insane adult human beings, there's a lot that is just logically inconsistent and weird, quite honestly. I mean, you know, a couple of things. Like, one, the Republican Party is not going to run away from Donald Trump because that is their man. Like I said this the other day, I was like, if they were to write a country music song, it would be Stand By Your Man. Like, this is their dude. Do you know what I'm saying? He embodies everything that they want to be, right? Everything that they desire, which is to be able to conquer, to say whatever the fuck they want, to do whatever it is that they want, to throw around money and grab women in the way that they want. Like, he is their hero. And I just—I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to, because I complete—I concede all of that, and you're absolutely right. I just have a—I just want to interject a question there, though. That's true, and he does nothing but lose for them. So that's where it gets kind—that's the part. That's the logical. Uh, that's the wrong phrase, but, but you know what I'm saying. I—I I think that like we have a different idea of winning. And this is why I feel like Democrats remain behind the ball. Donald Trump didn't lose for them. We don't have abortion anymore because Donald Trump won for them, right? We are losing rights left and right because Donald Trump won for them in the judiciary, right? It doesn't matter. And this is the thing that we always get caught up on. It doesn't matter whether or not they have the White House. They have more than half of the governorships in this country, and you have Ron DeSantis that was initially anointed by Donald Trump, creating the petri dish of, of experimentation around their Christo-fascism that is running amok in Florida, and it's con- and consistently right, spreading like a cancer across Republican states that want to play catch-up and hold my beer with Ron DeSantis in Florida. So when we think about winning and losing, I think that we need to expand what it is that we're thinking about in that space because he has won for them. They are more powerful than they have ever been. For 50 fucking years, they tried to reverse Roe v. Wade, and they did it because Donald Trump was able to steal two Supreme Court seats and push through a third, right? And that's all that that's all that they needed. And so it doesn't they, I think that we should be paying more attention to the fact that this Republican engine no longer needs the electorate because they have been able to use the court to gerrymander and suppress the vote to an extent that they don't give a fuck about their constituents. Right. 
that, that I mean that that to me is the thing. And so it's like, why don't they quit Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump has gotten them the biggest wins that they've been waiting for for over fifty years. That's why. Yeah, I, I actually think we might be talking about two different things in parallel. Um, because I, maybe it's just because for personal reasons, I have a difficult time giving him credit for anything. As you said, this has been a 50 year project. Any Republican in office would have done what he did. Um, I don't, know. that's the thing. I don't think so, Mary. I don't think that any, I don't think that a, a, um, uh, a Mitt Romney or another, I don't think that they would have gone to the lengths because they would have been afraid of like some type of backlash. Like you need to have no sense of moral compass. You need to have no sense of self in order to do what Donald Trump, I think, has been able to do. Let me rephrase. I meant specifically in terms of the judiciary. We would have the same three Republican justices, I believe, if no matter who had been, uh, because whether it was Mitt Romney or um, Ted Cruz, Leonard Leo was the one making those decisions. Uh, so well, whatever. I mean, I think we're, we're we're totally on the same page in terms of the damage this person has done is being allowed to do, and the fact that the entire party. Uh, rallies around it, and I uh, I agree, Jen, that it's. Um, I think we've all we've all said this, we've all written about it. That it's they he is them. The thing they most value about him is the permission he gives them to be their worst selves in any given situation. Um, I do think it matters. Uh, I do think it would be much, much worse uh, if he were still in the White House and the Republicans had won 40 or 50 or 60 seats in the midterms and the Democrats didn't have the majority in the Senate anymore. So um, that does not, of course, at all discount the fact that, yeah, uh, they have the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court uh, is the engine. It is now a legislative body. <laughs> that is changing laws and undoing them and remaking them in an image of a country that none of us recognize. Um, so I guess the question then becomes, is there a way to take this moment, these, well, it's, it's you know, it's really hard. I to can respond. This shit. Yeah, just, I just wanted to say something really quickly, though. It's really difficult to have a conversation when the about you know this alleged indictment and the others when it's against the backdrop of such egregiously wasted opportunities and the fact that you know it's our side that may end up being responsible for the death of america so to speak so i got two things to respond to one um when Dahlia talks about the off-ramp, I think once they didn't take the off-ramp like a long time ago, the plan is just to wait 10 years. And then the reason why I think Lindsey you know, Graham and all these people still keep up on Twitter or Ted Cruz, you always see that thing of him saying Donald's terrible. They're going to just years from now show, see, I always said he was a bad guy. And they're just going to ignore everything between like October of, of like 20, you know, between November of 2016 until, you know, I don't know what the date is. They're just going to erase that from history and it's going to be super easy because they control the school board. So that's the off ramp. Secondly, 
uh, Mary, I don't know if this will cheer you up or not, but I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who believes the Supreme Court just became a legislative legislative body yesterday. You know, I, I as you know, I, I teach law and I can give you a whole bunch of areas of law, even outside of the area of civil rights and abortion rights. Like I teach securities regulation and the Supreme Court entirely makes up doctrines and creates law um, all the time. So to me, this is not entirely new. Um, and the only difference is when um, conservatives um, don't want to interpret laws in such a way to support a democratic agenda, they'll always pretend they're doing, um, you know, they'll always come up with some doctrine to justify what they're doing. Um, in the area of business law, it's just it's always been that way, and no one even seems to raise a fuss. Those of us who teach business law always find um, some of the you know constitutional purists, you know, a little bit like, are you kidding me? There is no Santa Claus, guys. So yeah, don't, you know, but the, yeah. Sorry to say this, baby. Whatever. Well, I'm not. No, I'm for the president. I'm not saying that, but when you said they legislate, I mean, they, they're always legislating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yes, I just think that there's. A I mean, me, to me, the question is, you know, when you're going to, it's different to when you're when you're legislating to expand rights. It's a very different thing than when you are, you know, second guessing Congress or an agency to retract rights or to hurt the disempowered. Yeah. Let me just be honest about who's doing what for what reason. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair distinction worth making. Um, but you know, this 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 goodness, or I should say, the six radical extremists on this the Supreme Court are uh, changing the game in, a, in an unprecedented way, a word that I hate. And next time I use it, somebody please stick me with a cattle prod. Thank you, because mm-hmm. I've heard it more times in the last six years than I can bear to think about. Uh, so, uh, Danielle, what did you want to just clarify uh, something? Because um, I, I feel like, I have to be completely honest, I'm feel, my brain is fried. I'm finding this whole exercise, uh, not with you guys, but with what's happening or not happening, <laughs> as the case may be, so incredibly uh, demoralizing and, you know, Dolly, as you and I said at the beginning, exhausting and unproductive and frustrating um, that I think it's my brain is a little bit short circuited. And uh, yeah, so. So Danielle, I think I um, when it comes to what you were talking about, you're absolutely right that uh, there is a difference between um, a Republican pre-Donald and post-Donald, uh, right? So even though I I I stand by my assessment that the Things with the court would have gone exactly the same way um, because McConnell, Mitch McConnell was the one who kind of started that ball rolling. Uh, there are significant differences between even somebody, how somebody like Ted Cruz would have governed in that position. Is that, is that what you were getting at? I mean, I think that a couple of things. One, because I, I, we were saying in, in the private chat, which is that I think that any other Republican would have been a lot more tempered, right, mm-hmm. in their decision. I think that legacy, history, and precedent would have played, right, because the politics before Donald Trump, those things actually mattered. 
And, you know, to your point that you made, which is mm-hmm. that he gave this party the permission to take their hoods off, to take away political correctness, to take away uh, empathy, to take away. I mean, if you remember, fucking George Bush was the compassionate conservative. Right. Like that was the tagline. He brought mm-hmm. us into war, which, by the way, 20 years on Monday since that since that debacle. Which yeah, I wanted, yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to. But Talk like, about that in a yeah. minute or a few minutes. So but, I, but I just think that, you know, we have to understand that Donald Trump almost brought this Republican Party to their most primal evil self. Right. Like he stripped away the veneer that we had come to understand as Republicans, even though a George Bush could fly over Katrina, fly over black people that you're actually that are you know, starving and drowning and, you know, from a quote unquote natural disaster that you didn't help. Um, There was a different understanding of these people. So while I think that the courts would still be conservative, I don't think that they would be as rabid as they are right now. While I do think that half of the states have always been um, ruled by Republican governors, we've never seen anything of the likes of what is happening in uh, in Florida and in Texas. And again, because Donald Trump gave these people permission to be like, fuck you constituents, fuck the electorate. We can just steal our way through. We can grip our way through. We don't owe them a damn thing. And that's the difference. Yeah. Dahlia has the lead, which I didn't know. So I just want to hand off quickly, if you, if, Dahlia, if you have any last. Uh. Maybe I'll just say this, and I am sorry I have to go. Um, I, I will just say this. I think to Danielle's point, maybe this is a good um, moment to sort of raise this question of I cannot believe, you know, Mary started by asking about the media. We are having internecine wars in the press right now about whether it should be Fonnie Willis or Alvin Bragg or whether, you know, whatever, you know, we're mad at Jack Smith, we're mad at Merrick Garland, because I think this kind of the perfect is the enemy of the good, where we like literally just cannot keep ourselves out of the circular firing squad, whereas the pattern that Danielle's describing is the pattern of good enough right? Mm-hmm. Every step forward is good enough. Everything that Merrick Garland did was good enough. Every Trump judge who does not give a shit about national injunctions, about ending medication abortion around the country is good enough. And we sit here like smugly debating whether this indictment in Manhattan is too small ball. And so I just think like we, we talk so much about the sort of asymmetry in purposiveness. We are not purposeful. We would rather be right. And I'm super, super sad to see us doing that again, because the worst thing we can be doing right now is helping delegitimize Bonnie Willis and Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith and all of the prosecutions that could be coming if we supported them. So I think like we love to be smug. So that's my very, very sad rejoinder. And I think Danielle's right. I think, you know, smugness isn't winning. Smugness is smugness. So I got to go. I'm sorry. Thanks, Dahlia. See you soon. Um, hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And it is, it is stunning to me how, People who have no power to control any of what's happening are saying, oh, well, you know, if this, if this one in New York goes first, it's going to undermine 
uh, what happens in Georgia potentially or what happens with Jack Smith. Listen, I think it's a completely legitimate argument to say that Merrick Garland fucked up royally and that the delay caused by his inaction is a potentially um, devastating decision. But that's very different from saying, well, you know, who cares if he gets indicted for this small thing? Because there's such a thing as the rule of law, right? It matters. Should one have gone first? Well, you know what would be really bad? If these DAs were coordinated to, to, you know, have their indictments have more impact. That is not how it's done, people. We take our wins when we get them. And personally, and Jen, you've been all over this. This, this case in New York... Or, or you, not not the gen behind you. <laughs> Someone was knocking at my door, so you can't hear that, but I was looking around to see if the shadow... Yeah, gave me a chance to say something slightly funny. What can okay. I tell you? Slightly. Anyway, you've been all over this, and um, we uh, spoke... I think um, Chara last week or two weeks ago spoke about this as well. There is no reason to think that what's happening in New York is small ball. And by the way, even if it turns out to be uh, election fraud, I kind of think that's a big deal. Part of it has been the framing as a hush money thing. It's not about that. It's about what it represents. And Jen, you have uh, written about and talked about other potential um, indictments or other potential uh, facets to this indictment. So I was wondering if you could walk us through that because, you know, it is just so absurd for people to be like, oh, you know, who cares? It's only this little, it, it matters, guys. Yeah, so um, it dawned on me, you know, that, uh, you know, sometimes when you want to try to anticipate what someone's going to do, see what they've done in the past. And so, you know, folks may have forgotten, but in December, Alvin Bragg, uh, successfully uh, secured a jury, guilty jury verdict against uh, the Trump uh, Corporation um, and the Trump Payroll Corporation. They both do business as the so-called Trump Organization. This was a case where uh, Al the uh, CFO, Alan Weisselberg, had pleaded guilty. And in fact, he is now sitting in, in Rikers serving his uh -huh. very short sentence. Um, so that Although, case, to be fair, any sentence at Rikers is like 10 times longer than a sentence anywhere else. So that's something. It's not pleasant. I wouldn't want to be there with him um, or even on my own. So, But I went back and looked at what that, that was about. Now, you might remember that that related to the under-the-table payments in terms of apartments and other things. Um, that Weisselberg benefited from and apparently facilitated, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but we talk about, you know, that sounds bad, but what were the actual crimes? And those in that, and um, in several of those counts um, were, were the same thing we have been talking about here um, that people are anticipating in this case around the hush money payments, uh, which involves um, this crime of falsifying business records in the first degree. And that's important um, because uh, falsifying business records in the first degree is that felony. Right? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, somehow, um, Bragg was able to secure jury verdicts against 
your uncle's two businesses um, related to this. And um, these, what it related to, the, these false entries, uh, these, these false business records, you know how that to make it a felony, it has to also be not just making a false business record, like you know, saying that you're paying a legal fee in your business records and really it was paying back someone who paid off the porn star. Mm-hmm. What you have to have, that would only be a misdemeanor. What would make it into a felony is if the falsification was also obscuring or facilitating another crime. So what is the other crime I'd be facilitating? Well, when it came to the under the table payments, and I'm sitting here looking at at the document here, um, when it came to those those payments, it included false, it included um, wage forms, the tax statement. Um, so in other words, throughout this, these were, um, you know, making, you know, the tax statements weren't accurate. Now, when you say you're paying a business expense, something like a legal fee, that's a legitimate business expense. But when you're having your business pay someone a reimbursement for some personal expense, that's not a legitimate business expense. That actually would be income to him. At any rate, I'm not going to get into the tax thing, but it strikes me it's quite possible that this would be tax fraud. Then I said, well, what else was in here? Well, also in this, so we had we had in this um, in here, his two businesses were convicted of falsifying business records, criminal tax fraud, conspiracy, and also a scheme to defraud. Strikes me that that's where we're going to end up here. Now, you know, again, I have no knowledge. I'm not, you know, I'm not George Soros, so I'm not paying for this whole thing. Still waiting for my job. I'm trying to to joke. Okay. But in reality, I don't know. No one's told me this, um, but I'm just using kind of like my common sense um, because also when something's a really high stake, you know how to present a thing to the jury. You know maybe what works. So this worked. Okay. That's my theory. And Jen, anybody who thinks what you just said isn't a big deal. And the person who committed those alleged crimes shouldn't be held accountable, doesn't understand or, you know, buys into this horrific and dangerous misconception that only blue collar crimes matter. Well, I just want to say, yeah, because a couple of things, even if there weren't the felony underlying this, um, you know, this is still serious as a misdemeanor. And, you know, and I would say that, you know, let's not forget, um, that we that we we had um, uh, uh, forgetting his first name um, uh, Garland Eric Garland Merrick who, no no uh, the guy who was, oh Eric sorry the, the guy who was selling loose cigarettes am I Eric, saying yeah yeah Garner uh, Garner, Garner yeah. I had that mm-hmm. Eric Garner selling loose cigarettes that was actually a misdemeanor um, and they, it was important enough for New York to harass him uh, all the time. That, it was not just a misdemeanor, it was misdemeanor tax evasion. So, you know, some people end up in a really different different situation. I also point yeah, out... And that deserves the death penalty. About you know, this isn't like this guy hasn't been criminal adjacent. Not only did his businesses get convicted, but, you know, there have been... He was personally involved in charity fraud. Now, that wasn't charged criminally. It could have been. He's also settled... And that resulted in a $2.8 million uh, restitution and penalties. Uh, that was that came up in 2018. Um, also, in 2018, the settlement for uh, RICO, it was civil RICO for his fake university, resulted in a $25 million, right? That there was a settlement and was finalized in 2018. 
I could go on and on. There is money laundering, securities fraud, gaming, and antitrust, labor law violations, race discrimination. And he even flipped on some people uh, a jewelry store in 1986. He was the rat um, when he made $65,000 in purchases. Lots of lots of crime. and then arranged to have an empty box mailed out of state so he wouldn't have to pay sales tax, not to mention the various people associated with, with organized crime that paid cash for his apartment buildings. I could go on and on. Yeah, um, you could. And, so and that's what and he also, never, but, but, sorry, but, but for people who say, oh, it's only because he's running for president, I have to say, why the heck didn't they get him before? For, and why didn't they always settle, settle civilly with him? Because anyone else, who wasn't wealthy, white, and uh, well-connected would have been in prison, not in the White House. Yeah, and let's not forget that with the charity thing, he and his three adult children cannot run charities in New York because their behavior was so egregious. And the whole passive uh -huh. voice, like the businesses committed the crime, like again and again, and I, I know you have to leave, Jen, so I just... Uh, Glad you were able to get that in. That was incredibly helpful. So we'll we will see you hopefully next week. Um, no, 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 no. I hopefully we have an emergency session and I see you tomorrow. Well, I'm I am not getting the cart ahead of the horse or whatever that expression. Oh, I am. All right, I'm just. I'm picking I am, out my outfit. I'm going to surprise okay. you all. There will be hats involved. I'm picking okay. out my alcoholic beverage of choice. <laughs> um, yeah, Danielle, that was a really good rundown, and it it just uh, you know for for people who haven't been paying attention, this has been going on since 1973, and what's even and which is troubling enough, you know, there has been so much, and but that's what he does. He floods the zone. What is less explicable, and I know what which you're saying crime? about, and because I agree with you, he got to the extent that he was elected in 2016, which I don't think he was legitimately, um, it is because people, he represents something to the worst among us, uh, you know, and honestly, I think one of the things he represents is that somebody who is as demonstrably a loser as he is can still succeed, succeed, you know, still fail his way up and they like that. They like how, how much he lies and gets away with it. He, they like how he gets away with everything, right? Which, what makes less sense to me is um, that there's a segment of the population for whom this stuff just didn't end up mattering as mm -hmm. much as other things. It's just like you were voting for a criminal. And that's like you vote for a misogynist.
agent politics, Victor Schoen. Alright, here we go. Clean your driveway in under five minutes with this incredible $80 Who's laughing now? The Mary Trump Show. Thanks for Just 90 attach K. it to your hose and cut. Misogynist, you vote for a rapist, you vote for a racist, etc., etc. That's a different issue, but he's a criminal. And I I don't know. I guess it's just, it, it, and I'm not talking about the base. I'm talking about the people who just couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, um, it's, it, we live in a society, I, it's, and this is a weird contradiction, and I know it has everything to do with the fact that he's a white man, but we're huh. such a punitive country. Such a, mm-hmm. So punitive. The carceral state is just out of control. Um, we are, We have no ability to think outside of the box and come up with better ways to uh, handle the problem of um, what is a crime, what's not a crime, how crime should be punished, how people should be rehabilitated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But then we don't just let it slide when it's a white guy. We lift these people up. We enable them. We allow them to succeed in ways that are just uh, kind of unspeakable. And here we are. Donald is literally positioning himself to strengthen his case for winning, uh, not just the nomination, but the presidency. And he will fundraise off of it. And it will increase his popular. I don't, I'm not saying that makes him, Donald is literally positioning himself uh, not just the nomination, but the presidency, and he will fundraise off of it, and it will increase his popular. I don't. I'm not saying that makes him. It, it increases his chance of winning in 2024, but it definitely solidifies his hold on the base, and it may indeed, you know, get some people off the fence uh, to be in favor of him. What do you think? I don't like I, I, I will I will disagree. I do not think that this is going to strengthen Donald Trump. I do not think that this is going to get people who were on the fence about him to say, oh, yeah, this is my guy. I okay. think that what we are going to see is that Donald Trump's base is never going to leave him. When right. he said that he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and his poll numbers would go up with that particular set of deplorables, he was correct, right? And we've seen this yep. time and time again. There is nothing that Donald Trump can do, can say, if he were to shoot somebody, a Kevin McCarthy would find a way to blame the victim, right? Like that is that is where he is. But Even it, if it's Kevin McCarthy. Right. But in ter- even if it's Kevin McCarthy. Um, but in terms of everyone else, I think that Donald Trump has pushed the limit on grievance politics because here's the thing, and I did like a TikTok video about this the other day, which is that of all the things to go to civil war for, Donald Trump fucking a porn star (laughs) and paying her off ain't one of them. You know what I'm saying? So he is rallying people on his broke-ass social media platform to come protest and come to the streets and do all of these things like he did uh, before January 6th, except January 6th, you could argue that his particular argument was about their vote being stolen from them, right? It was about their vote. Donald Trump saying to people, 
this week to come to New York City and rally on his defense has nothing to do with the people. It has nothing to do with democracy. It has everything to do with the fact that he had an extramarital affair, right? Like, so him trying to turn this into, if they come for me, they come for you. It's like, nah, dude, you're the only one that fucked a porn star and used like not your own money in order to pay, in order to pay them off, right? Like you're the one that cooked the book in order to make this happen. And so I don't, I think that for the regular people, this is something where they're going to look. I think if anybody gets bolstered by this, it is the devil Ron DeSantis, right? Yeah. It is the one that has the little jabs that's just like, well, I would know nothing about porn stars. I would know nothing about camp campaign finance. Ron DeSantis, in my humble opinion, is the worst of the worst, yeah. right? In her, like, all you have to, all Democrats should be able to use for their bumper sticker is, do you want Florida's policies to be nationalized? Because that's what a yeah. Ron DeSantis presidency looks like. But I don't mm -hmm. think this strengthens Donald Trump at all. Um, did I say strengthen? Because if I did, I shouldn't have. What I meant was it. Um, I, w I think I was talking about not the base, but the re the you know the re Republican Party, and we've seen because we've seen in the last two weeks. Fox, who was heading in a different direction, some Republicans who were heading in a different direction, they've all fallen back into line. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I just will never count Donald out because of how many times people did before. And we, mm -hmm. it always came back to bite us. So I think, unfortunately, he's always a clear and present danger. And you may be right. You know, one of the most dangerous things about Donald right now might be that he leaves open the field for Ron DeSantis, who is absolutely worse in many ways because mm -hmm. he's a true ideologue. Yeah. He is a well, fascist down to his toes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's just an absolutely be awful, human trafficking. awful human being. And by um being given the opportunity to contrast himself point they are all on bits or to you know to present himself as a cleaner more moral more upstanding version of donald like that's dangerous and and I think what I was trying to get at earlier is that it's, uh, yes, I mean, Donald is uniquely awful, uh, and the Republican Party was a different to some degree before he was allowed to just <laughs> destroy all of us. But 
Republican Party, he revealed them. He didn't change them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I don't, I don't think it matters anymore which Republican ends up in the White House. Any one of them will be just as awful because they understand. They've been given permission. They know that the field is wide open for them to do their work. And, you know, that's, you're right. That was not the case in 2016. And this is, you know, and again, if we're looking to lay blame, which sometimes I do, um, I'm looking at Merrick Garland, right? Because I, I want totally. folks to remember that we didn't need to wait for January 6th to happen in order to begin an investigation into Donald Trump. Yep. Robert Mueller had already provided Merrick Garland on day one of his job with a report that was over 400 fucking pages long, right, um, lining out the ways, the 10 ways in which Donald Trump obstructed justice. And Robert Mueller said that the only reason why Donald Trump was not going to be indicted is because of the bullshit policy, not law, but the bullshit policy and guideline that the Department of Justice has that says we don't indict a sitting president. So on January 21st, when Donald Trump was no longer fucking president and was sitting down in Mar-a-Lago, Merrick Garland, once he was sworn in, all he had to do was go to Mar-a-Lago, knock on the door, and say, you have been served. Because there was no investigation that needed to be done. The fucking homework had already been done for him. So we're here, and you are seeing these bigger, stronger, just more disgusting and depraved versions of Donald Trump. Shit's on fire already been done for him. So we're here and you were that needed to be done. The first because there was no investigation in serve and say you have been served because there was no investigation knock on the door and say you have been served because there was no investigation knock on the door and serve because there was no investigation that needed to be done. The fucking home has been served because there, because there was no investigation that needed to be done. The fucking homework had already because there was no investigation had been served because there was no investigation that needed to be done. The fucking have been served because
and Merrick Garland didn't do his fucking job. Because he fell asleep on the job. Because he fell down on the job. Because he decided that, oh, preservation of the country and a bullshit institution was more important than holding a fucking criminal accountable for their crime. The only way that you would not get a Ron DeSantis, a Greg Abbott, these people, is if we recognize that actually no one in this country is above the law. Merrick Garland is a The thing that's different about a verbal vacation home, you always have the whole place. Oh, man. you vote for a rapist, you vote for a racist, et cetera, et cetera. That's a different issue, but you just criminal. And I I don't know. I guess it's just, it's, and I'm not talking about the base. I'm talking about the people who just couldn't vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, um, it. Oh, shit. It's Politicon. Misogynist, you vote for a rapist, you vote for a racist, et cetera, et cetera. That's a different issue, but you just criminal and i i don't know i guess it's just it's and i'm not talking about the base i'm talking about the people who just couldn't vote for hillary clinton you know um it's we live in a society and this is a weird contradiction and i know it has everything to do with the fact that he's a white man but we're such a punitive country country Mm -hmm. so punitive the carceral state is just out of control um, we have we have no ability to think outside of the box and to come up with better ways to uh, handle the problem of um, what is a crime, what's not a crime, how crimes should be punished, how people should be rehabilitated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then we don't just let it slide. When it's a white guy, we lift these people up, we enable them, we allow them to succeed in ways that are just uh, kind of unspeakable. And here we are. Donald is literally positioning himself to strengthen his case for winning, uh, not just the nomination, but the presidency. And he will fundraise off of it. And it will increase his popular. I don't. I'm not saying that makes him. It, it increases his chance That's of winning in 2024, be... but it definitely solidifies his hold on the base, and it may indeed, you know, get some people off the bench, uh, to be in favor of him. What do you think? I don't like. I, I. I will. I will disagree. I do not think that this is going to strengthen. under the 14th amendment <laughs> 